Weekly MTG, the only show that typically comes to you from inside the building. But uh, we're both Jules and I are on a little, little bit of COVID protocol stay at home, uh, not having to do with work, having to do with other stuff. But uh, we're both fine. But we're we're at home, just being safe and all that jazz. But we wouldn't let that stop us from telling you about the Streets of New Capenna release, which Jules was one of the leaders on. So he knows so much about this set. We are going to blast your mind hole with information today. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that's already been previewed uh, that uh, Jules hasn't had the chance to tell stories about. Uh, talk about design behind. Um, the reason why this is that and that is this and, and all that jazz. So we're going to talk about a bunch of cards there. We are going to preview a uh, one of the last remaining, if not the last remaining, mythics from the main set. Uh, then we're going to talk about a few remaining set booster exclusives and a little something we've got on the list um, that we haven't talked about yet. That's pretty cool. Uh, before we do that, a little bit of news. Uh, just a reminder this week in our news section that the April Super Drop is on sale. Head to secretlayer.wizards.com to learn more. There's there's bundles. That's what we do with Super Drops. There's a bunch of cool stuff there. Um, a lot of weird, wacky art, a um, couple artist profile pieces, that sort of stuff. So uh, if, you're, if you're curious, head to secretlayer.wizards.com to learn more um so jules streets of new capenna pretty cool set um chat we are going to answer your questions when we get if you look down i gotta do it this way down it's over like there that way that way uh q a is all the way at the end so i will kind of be watching for questions that are put in chat but if you want your question answered that's going to be the time to do it i'll, I'll let you know when i'm definitely going to be paying attention to questions um and he may answer some of your questions in the meantime anyway uh so we are going to kick things off jules with one of the and this is saying a lot one of the best dressed characters in the set uh <laughs> obnixilis the adversary so there's uh, a lot of cool stuff going on here for a planeswalker tell us a little bit about the story behind this snappy dresser yeah so besides the stiff competition for suits uh we really got started here uh every set since war of the spark when we opened up more planeswalker design space we've been taking a careful look at the keyword mechanics in the set and trying to figure out if they lend themselves to interesting planeswalker designs and when we looked at casualty we immediately thought wow this is such a cool match for obnixilis it gets to portray his like shadowy persona as the adversary that all of the demon family heads are worried about and he kills xander in the story the head of the maestros who have the mechanic mm -hmm. and yep uh then it just came time to actually make a satisfying magic card that part turned out to be harder uh we started trying static casualty numbers like you see on a bunch of the instants and sorceries on the set uh but they made for all sorts of weird gameplay situations where players had to spend a ton of time thinking about stuff that probably wouldn't matter. It was like, oh, do I attack the token Obnixilis or the card Obnixilis? Because if I kill the token, then the card will still be there to legend rule a future Obnixilis. But if I kill the 
real Obnixilis, then maybe they can return it from their graveyard, and the person playing with Obnixilis had to make the same sorts of decisions about plussing or minusing it. Uh, and so we realized we needed some way to separate which Obnixilis to care about. Mm. Uh, and that's how you landed on the, the loyalty X and casualty X. Yeah, exactly. So that, then we got to the casualty X scheme, which seems really exciting and has this awesome payoff of, well, now you can somehow have an enormous sacrifice and get a ton of loyalty. So we knew we needed to figure out how to make that matter, but also not necessarily end the game on the spot if you do it mm -hmm. immediately. So we had to find right an ultimate ability that could be super impactful, uh, but that would only end the game if things were getting pretty late and early game would just put you ahead, but you could keep playing. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we got to the draw seven, lose seven. You can finish them off with or just get a full grip of cards that you probably won't have mm -hmm. mana to deploy early on. Uh, and yeah, then and at a pretty plus... steep cost, because that would be discarding, or that would be sacrificing a seven power creature if you get to do that immediately. Exactly. Yeah, which is tough to do early, but there might be some cards to help you with that. Mm -hmm. um, right, and then we had this whole other puzzle trying to get the plus and minus to play interestingly together, because, right, Obnixilis has this whole thing where you'll have two of them out, and so we don't want the pattern to get repetitive and be the same thing all the time. And we want abilities that speak to that. So we've got this sort of punisher text on the plus where your opponent can choose to discard or have their life total go down. And mm -hmm. these sorts of effects get a lot stronger when you iterate them because either you'll run out of bad cards in your hand that you don't mind discarding or your life total will start getting really low, uh, and so plussing both your Obnixiluses at the same time has this little interplay to it. And similarly mm -hmm. on the minus, if you make multiple devil tokens, that'll allow you to actually stack up enough dive triggers to kill bigger creatures than a single devil could on its own. And then mm -hmm. this life gain text allows them to interplay with each other where it's like, oh, well, now that I've got two Obnixiluses, I have some extra reason to want to make a devil with one and plus the other. So just a lot of stuff to make sure that game to game it'll vary a lot like how you want to combine the abilities of your obnixilises so instead of a normal planeswalker situation where you've got you know two real options on what ability you want to do here you've got a you know combinatorial sort of mm -hmm. emergent pattern yeah no, that makes sense that's really cool i hadn't i hadn't thought about the you know, I, in my head, I was looking at this like a normal Planeswalker is like, oh, yeah, on one turn, you minus two, and then on the next turn, you plus one, and that's a pretty normal pattern. Um, you, you get the demon or devil bonus after that. But yeah, if you have two of them, obviously, you can do that on the same turn and get the bonus immediately, which is pretty cool. All right, let's move on to another clever card. Uh, what I did there. Uh, Tolu's Clever Conductor. So uh, this is one that we're, this is kind of part of a cycle with that weird mana cost in the upper right, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. Um, and Tolu's Clever Conductor is a 3-1 legendary creature human rogue. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it connives. 
And then when you discard one or more cards, which you do when you connive, of course, you exile it from your graveyard. And when Tolu's dies, put the cards exiled with it into their owner's hand. Uh, let's start with that mana cost in the upper right hand corner, Jules. Yeah. So three color cards are always super cool, but they're really limited into what decks you can play them in. And so every time we do a three color theme, we stare at you know the file and try to come up with ways that we can make some of the three color cards uh, bridge the gap a little bit better to work when mm -hmm. you don't have all three colors of mana. All the way back mm -hmm. in you know invasion block, we had the apprentices and masters as cards with one color and activations of the other colors. Uh, and then Alara started experimenting with hybrid with like a hybrid symbol and a different mana symbol. So it could be either set of two colors. We have the mythoses in Ikoria that are one color and reward you if you have both the other colors. And Mark Gottlieb came up with this approach to bridge not just to various two color decks, but actually mono color to three color. You could play Toulouse for three blue mana or Esper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obscura. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's I'm 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 too old and I've been playing too long. That's that's tough for me to get used to. But yes, obscura, obscura, not Esper. It's yeah, you and me both. We we get we it's, got it's, we it's get okay. what people are dropping down. Yeah, um, it's not a crime. To call on, it's not. Go it's ahead. not. So um, talk to us uh, about the text on that card. The the discard and and get back when Toulouse dies. Yeah, so this card actually came out of very early set design. Uh, back when we started, Connive was always an enters the battlefield trigger that was just tied into the keyword until uh, Cameron Williams had pitched, making it a keyword action that can appear in different settings. But mm -hmm. in that early stage, we were doing a bunch of exploration on, you know, if we are conniving, what extra tie-in can cool rares and mythics have that makes sense with your deck full of connive cards and does something interesting and mm -hmm. this text actually started on a mono blue card the precursor to ledger shredder but when we were mm -hmm. working on the obscure member of this cycle and not really liking what the card we were <laughs> trying to make work did we realized it was kind of a perfect fit for like black and white being able to recur your stuff from the graveyard versus blue sort of turning your looting into straight up card draw. Uh, yep. It all matched from a color pie perspective. And Makes sense. Yeah, we, we right. like this in cool. play a lot too. It, it looks really cool. It's one of the cards I'm, I'm excited to build around, maybe even a commander deck. Who knows? I have too many commander decks. I have to restrain myself, <laughs> but maybe, maybe. I haven't built um, a new one since last week. <laughs> <laughs> um all right next up we want to look at a trio of cards that have a some connective tissue where they all have alliance but they also have uh the the bit of extra text if this is the second time this ability has resolved this turn do an extra thing um so tell us about this sort of like mini loose cycle yeah so this actually came out of a previous version of the Caporetti mechanic. At one point, we were trying cards that all did something if two creatures had entered the battlefield 
under your control this turn instead of Alliance. Mm -hmm. But we ran into problems as we started to build the set out with that. It was really insular. Like the Cabaretti deck was great at turning all these cards on all the time. But when you played a monocolored card from the Cabaretti in one of the neighboring families, it was just so hard to get your cards to trigger. Uh, mm -hmm. But we did think the space was really fun. There's, you know, we always build in a variety of how intricate the sequencing is on various different strategies you can take in environments because different people enjoy different amounts of that. But the Cabaretti are all the way at sort of the most natural end, where if you just play your cards on curve, they'll trigger and build up the chain. So we wanted a little bit of extra intrigue on how to sequence your plays, and these captured mm -hmm. that really well. Very cool. Um Next up, I want to look at a couple mythic rares. Uh, we're going to start with uh, something central to the, the whole set and you know one of the first cards we showed off which is halo fountain which is an artifact for two and a white that has three very interesting abilities so for white tap and untap a tapped creature you control you get a one one green and white citizen creature token for two white tap and untapped two tapped creatures you control you can draw a card so there's some more of that white card draw and then finally for five white mana tap and untap 15 tapped creatures you control you win the game what the heck is going on here jules <laughs> yeah so th this card came out of us trying to really capture the feeling of the cabaretti though it didn't start as a fountain uh we began by trying to make a top-down design for a dance floor at a cabaretti party and figure out mm. what a party meant in terms of magic yeah so pretty pretty quickly we got to like well there's a the more the merrier thing you should want a bunch of creatures in play but, you know, you're not rallying an army to war. They should be doing something, you know, maybe cooperative or at least in good cheer rather than just smashing your opponent's face for combat damage. Mm -hmm. uh, so we started with a version that got effects by tapping untapped creatures you control. Uh, but the gameplay got pretty samey pretty quickly when you threw away combat entirely as anything you wanted to do. It's like, well, I'll right. just sit here and tap all my creatures to the halo fountain and won't really matter what else I drew. It's just, can you kill me fast? Yeah. Um, right. But by <laughs> switching it to untapping them, which uh, Michelle Roberson came up with, it's like, we got to have our cake and eat it too. You sometimes <laughs> want to get into combat, sometimes you want to enable this with other cards that can tap your creatures, whether that's creatures that themselves have tap abilities or vehicles or who knows what. Uh, and, you know, get to live the dream. We don't have to fight all the time. We can all win. Well, at least all of us who are playing <laughs> Halo Fountain. Also, it, just reading this card is such an adventure, too, because you're like, tap one untapped creature, do get a little, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay, tap two untapped, draw a card, cool. Tap 15, you win the game. 
it just like that escalated quickly. Yeah, we futzed around with numbers on the last bit a fair amount. Uh, it was too strong at 10. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Let's try 15. Why not? All right, let, let's talk about another uh, mythic with some gaudy numbers attached to it. A uh, card that's been the subject of much discussion today. Meeting of the Five, which for, that's eight mana total, three and Wooburg. It's a sorcery that exiles the top 10 cards of your library. You may cast spells with exactly three colors from among them this turn. You add a whole bucket full of mana. And then you spend that mana only to cast spells with exactly three colors. So you're definitely you're definitely aiming to cast a bunch of three color spells here. What's going on with this, Jules? Yeah. So we started here from you know the tension in the sea. There are these five crime families that have run everything, and there's a new adversary in town. The balance of power is shaken up and they're worried so what's it mean to have all of these family leaders you know if not chummy maybe willing to work together for a moment and mm -hmm. the first thing that came to all of our minds was niv mizzet reborn back in uh, war of the spark asking you mm -hmm. to get lots of different two color cards but for three color combinations and yep we immediately ran into a bunch of trouble trying to make that work without a big creature body and with three color cards being less plentiful than two color cards we mm -hmm. couldn't make anything very compelling just trying to put a bunch of them into your hand especially because they cost more mana than two color cards do on average you yeah. can't make two drops that are three colors very easily yeah uh, right so then we thought about well is there a version where we cast them all for free and it's like, there's no way to make a mana cost for that that'll be reasonable to play with all your three to six mana, you know, three color cards in this set when you try to play it in standard or even in limited and not just be totally obscene with some old cards like ultimatums that ultimatums. cost seven mana in varying yeah. colors. Right. So we, we needed to find some way to slice between those things. Uh, mm -hmm. and realized the best way to do it was to use the ex right, the existing mana system on, like, let you work with both things, but at appropriately scaled difficulty. So, yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of people going, oh, you can't even cast ultimatums with this, but it gives you six-sevenths of the mana for the ultimatum that you <laughs> need. You just need one left over. And it, th this card's actually a fair bit easier to make work than it looks like. It's like, uh, how am I going to make five colors and eight mana and a million three color cards? And mm -hmm. this set has answers for a lot of those questions. There's a lot of treasure generation that can both ramp you and fix your mana. And a lot of really flexible three color cards like charms that all do a bunch of different things and we'll have some use for whatever situation you're in when you get them off here and eat up some mm -hmm. of the spare mana that you generate. Um, yep. So it, it's a lot easier to fill your deck with multicolor cards and maybe you even have other reasons to want to, if you're, you know, playing widespread thieving 
and a bunch of gold cards. Maybe we'll see something else later. Uh, or even if you're just getting a bunch of value plays with fleet foot dancers or big smashy things like Zeatora, there are a lot of different tacks you can take and ways to combine stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, between gold cards that are in your hand to use up the excess mana or excess treasures you have lying around to cast more of the three color cards you hit off this, uh, getting the higher end of the value off of it is not as hard as it sounds. Okay. All right. Well, let's, you kind of mentioned the plentiful mana fixing in this set and there, there are treasures, but there's also a cycle of five cards that do something we haven't seen before um, and are super interesting to me. Um, they, they don't, I don't think the cycle has a name yet. Um, they're named a little bit differently, but it's a Sparta's Adjudicators, Shattered, uh, Shattered Seraph, Glamorous Outlaw, Masked Bandits, and Rakish Revelers. And they all are, are creatures in their own right that cost three mana, um, three colors of mana, and then also have that, that text to exile this creature from your hand. Target land gains the ability to make three colors of mana until that card is cast from exile. So this is this is a little out there. Um, How do you all come up with these, Jules? Yeah, they're, they're definitely a little on the complicated side for common, and we didn't start here. Uh, but right, as you mentioned, we need color fixing and a lot of it for limited as well as constructed. And we can't just flood the limited format with infinite treasures everywhere. Well, mm -hmm. we'll see why in a second. Uh, right. So we, you know, wanted to figure out the right level of fixing for this environment. And the clear place to look in our past was at Cons of Tarkir, which was a beloved limited format for a lot of people, but didn't fully deliver on the three color promise for people who really wanted mm -hmm. to play decks that were solidly three colors, maybe playing two drops in all three of your colors rather than being heavy on two colors and dipping into a third. Uh, yeah. But if we just cranked up the level of normal fixing a lot, the format quickly becomes five color soup where you can just play everything, including if we have too much early cheap treasure. Yeah. Uh, so the other side of this problem is we want a lot of cool gold three color cards. Players love these. This set has more than we've ever done before, but if you have a ton of three color cards and are missing one of your colors of mana, they're gonna get stuck in your hand. Cons of Tarkir mm -hmm. tried to address this with having morph on the common three color cards. Uh, and so we initially started trying to do something similar uh, with a keyword we called smuggle that basically let you send your cards on an adventure to make a treasure token. But mm -hmm. there was no good cost for it. At two mana, it was just super powerful. Even if the card itself was pretty weak, you would play a bunch of these. They would easily fix all your colors, let you splash a million different colors. And at three mana, they were just too slow to actually get you to do the thing. And might not even help you with color screw if you only had two lands and you're more likely to get color screwed the fewer lands you have mm -hmm. and so then we tried a bunch of like various restrictions on two mana versions but they all ended up being 
really unwieldy or unfun. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we took a step back and went, okay, we don't don't really want the treasure play anyway. These want to fix you for the mana in their faction. How can we do that? And the answer we got to is pretty texty, but not that complicated once you figured out what it does. So <laughs> sort of a trade-off on, you know, <laughs> trying to read these cards versus continuing to play with them. But uh, yeah. don't don't get lost in all the text. These are, work out a lot better than you might guess in limited and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they seem that. they seem fairly straightforward once once you know how they work and, and read through them. Um, you know, two mana, put them on a land. That land now taps for the three colors of the card, and later you can actually cast it, which seems mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I I definitely i I couldn't place. Um, I'm glad you brought up Konzatar here because I couldn't place like where what these reminded me of but you're right they were they remind me of the three color morph creatures from cons of tarkir which i should have thought of because that's literally the the um uncut sheet that's on my wall behind us <laughs> yeah i'm like staring at them every day all day um which yeah they they were something you could play for three colorless mana and then once you had the mana you could flip them up and and have them have some abilities so um very cool solution to that uh yeah, these even go a step up oh go ahead yeah yeah uh, yeah they, these even go kind of a step further if you never draw your third color you can still you know squirrel them away and then eventually they'll fix one last time to cast themselves <laughs> true story <laughs> um next up uh an interesting design uh brass knuckles so this is a four mana artifact equipment that when you cast the spell, you just immediately copy it. And then equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it and then equip one. So this card literally, if it's the only equipment attached to your creature, does nothing. Just does just straight nothing. But when you put two, then we're talking some business. So where did this card come from? Yeah, uh, you know, Brass Knuckles are really emblematic to the whole mob trope space that we were playing into. They were one of the first concepts to make it into the card file, right? As it was being built out that, you know, they're even the set symbol for that reason. Uh, but mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out what they were really supposed to do. Our first renditions were like keeping creatures damaged by the equipped creature from untapping it's like you got beaten to a pulp, uh, but you know it wasn't really on the nose and endearing to people. So mm -hmm. uh, we actually sent this out to the Friday design group, where a bunch of members of Wizards who don't normally work on like magic game design. Uh, take one of their lunches to tackle design problems that various teams are struggling with and just give a new perspective. And mm -hmm. right, they, they came up with uh, a couple of different iterations on this idea of like the one-two punch for your brass knuckles. They were like, oh, maybe you need two pieces of equipment or someone else, like, oh, maybe it should give double strike. 
and we mm-hmm. combine those ideas for the perfect knuckle sandwich. <laughs> Very cool. All right, we are going to finish up with one last card in review before we move into previews. And it is, um, so when I work on the preview plan, as I'll give a little intro here, we we tend to assign the commons last. You know, they're often some of the least complicated. Um, they're, they don't pop quite as much. They're often, you know, things that are great for limited and, and it's important for that. So we tend to assign them later in the preview season. But I saw this one and immediately knew we needed to assign it just because of um, the, the creature that it becomes is named legitimate business person. Um, this is also a strong card in and out of its own right, but it creates, it makes legitimate business person. So where the heck did witness protection come from? Yeah, th- this was another early, one of the tropes in the file. Uh, you know, it's just a resonant piece of the genre for people going into hiding after ratting out their, uh, mm-hmm criminal accomplices um so we started out with a version that like took away the creature's name uh and then we realized we wanted to turn it into basically the same creature the citizen tokens were so we went great it'll be named citizen Mm -hmm. and that stuck for a while but then crimson vow rolled around and uh changed a little tiny rule about how default token names are generated. So if you make a blood token, its name isn't actually blood, it's blood token. So it won't get caught by cards naming the old split card flesh and blood. Uh, Sure. So that's all great, but it made changing a card's name to citizen that wouldn't have token not work intuitively with cards that care about creatures sharing names like echoing courage and so we decided we should probably move off of that and delogle asked well what if we set a specific name of some sort and Mm -hmm. like "Hmm. all right what's what's a reasonable one and we'd been recently going through the uh, sort of penultimate naming pass on the set, giving cards attempts at their final names that we'd then show a bunch of people internally and get review on. And we cut legitimate business person from a card that's art didn't really end up quite syncing up with it, but everyone mm-hmm. playtesting it loved the name. And so Carmen Handy realized it was the perfect spot to put it uh, back on this card. Yeah, it it worked out great. I still laugh every time I see it. Okay, let's move on to the main event. Uh, We have four, five-ish previews, depending on how you count the card from the list uh, as a preview. And uh, one of those cards is the main set Mythic, as you can see at the bottom. And then we've got three of the set booster exclusive commander cards to talk about here. Uh, and in that section, we'll also talk about the the sort of unique card from the list. So let's start with the main set mythic. It is called Titan of Industry, which has two different versions here. So Titan of Industry, four and three green for a creature elemental, seven, seven. It's got reach. It's got trample. 
And when Titan of Industry enters the battlefield, choose two. Destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. Target player gains five life. Create a 4-4 green rhino warrior creature token. That's that's 11 power right there. Uh, or put a shield counter on a creature you control, which could include Titan of Industry. Uh, Jules, this thing is big. It does all the things. How'd this card come about? Yeah, th this one really came from a top-down angle, but not on the mobster tropes like a lot of the stuff we've seen. Instead, mm -hmm. thinking about this like big city, we are asking ourselves, like, what are the big creatures supposed to be here? It's, you know, kind of weird if you've just got enormous stuff trying to crowd into the little streets, except for the ones that are already there. Do we have, like, a skyscraper mm -hmm. elemental? What's that mean? Uh, mostly the answer we got to was some enormous creature maybe a ramp top end or reanimator target mm -hmm. uh right and so we started asking ourselves like what angle on those haven't we covered that's really going to make for fun games and usually strategies like that you're devoting a lot of time and resources to just you know getting your strategy to pay off you need to get cards into your graveyard to reanimate something or play a lot of mana generation. And then mm -hmm. you're behind your opponent on some axis when you finally get there. So we came up with this right sort of charm approach. So the Titan mm -hmm. could catch you up against whatever it was that you were playing against. And so, you know, if you worried about getting your board swept you need some resiliency the shield counter is perfect it'll keep it from getting destroyed if you're getting beaten mm -hmm. down really hard you can gain life problematic permanence you can destroy needing to block a bunch of different stuff you can get your rhinos uh, so plays out differently depending on what you're playing against but always sort of serves this role of swinging the game around when you finally get your plan online yeah and just a rules clarification that i saw in chat it says choose two uh you can only pick each mode once correct you can't pick any mode twice right so right, yeah cool. you, you'll need to combine them but it's rarely bad to have a rhino so it's not too hard to find two modes that you're gonna want <laughs> right all right, let's move on to some of the set booster previews. Now, um, before we dive into these, um, the set boosters, that's that's kind of part of another mini team that works on this, right? Who Who's responsible for these cards? Yeah, so Chris Mooney was the primary person heading these up. They did a lot of the design and were responsible for picking exactly where everything ended up. Though, of course, like all mm -hmm. our cards, these got playtesting and commentary and discussion from a whole bunch of different people all right let's start with a pretty cool mono white card benny brax zoologist so benny brax zoologist is three and a white for a legendary creature elf druid it's a three two has convoke uh which is certainly interesting on a card you, that might be in your command zone uh and at the beginning of each end step if you created a token this turn draw a card each end step. Um, yeah, what can you tell us about this card? Yeah, well, as you probably noticed in a lot of the spoilers for this set, we've 
been hard at work trying to figure out the right ways to go about having white draw cards. And mm-hmm. a few of our tenants are, you know, it should be a reward for your deck trying to do something that white very much wants to encourage. Making mm-hmm. a bunch of little tokens is a great example of that. Uh, but we also want it to play differently from card draw in other colors. Blue will often do big bursts of card draw where you're drawing like five cards at once. And mm-hmm. white takes a more slow and steady approach on getting your cards doled out over time. Uh, but, you know, white's always got ways to cheat the rules. This card, you might just make some tokens on your opponent's turns and go, yeah, one card a turn. Uh, great. My turn and your turn and your turn and your turn. Uh, so we, we wanted this one to be really available to a wide range of white decks that are doing white things and help mm-hmm. catch white up on that front end commander. Yeah. And you alluded and I do to the... Wanna... Oh, go ahead. Right. And, and you alluded to the convoke uh, earlier. In the command zone, this is pretty sweet because no matter how high the commander tax gets, if you've just got enough creatures out, you can pay for the commander tax with the convoke too. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and chat's catching on to this, but I want to point out um, on, on first reading of the card, people might gloss over this, but it says if you created a token this turn, not a creature token. So um, treasure, food, um, any any kind of token you might, you know, people are pointing out smothering tithe with this is is pretty bonkers. Um, there are there are a lot of ways to draw cards on everyone's turn with this card because they do not have to be creature tokens. Helm of the host producer Sean throws in there like there's there's a bunch of ways to get this card going. So I, I foresee this ending up helming a lot of commander decks. Uh, next up, another card from the set booster exclusives for Commander is Tenuous Truce. Tenuous Truce is another white card for one and a white. It is an enchantment aura. At the beginning of Enchanted Opponent's End Step, you and that player each draw a card. It has the words. Woo! It has the words. Uh, <laughs> when you attack Enchanted Opponent or a Planeswalker they control, or when they attack you or a Planeswalker you control, sacrifice tenuous truth so yeah this is this does is white card draw but really there's something else going on here tell us about this card jules right so this is sort of the other angle on the white card draw as opposed to like play cards that are what's white asking what white's asking you to do it's play the game like how white wants you to play it Mm -hmm. Uh, play nice uphold your word (laughs) be a good citizen uh yeah so right we've seen some amount of white card draw in the recent past you know starting with Strixhaven uh having you and an opponent draw some cards and there's sort of some implied collaboration but you can do a little bit better if you really sign a contract and have to abide by it uh Mm -hmm. whether your would-be trusted ally wants to join in on that is probably gonna depend on your play group (laughs) maybe they'll stab (laughs) you in the back (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I like this kind of political card that you can both stare at each other and you're like i want to keep doing this i want to keep doing this, but i want to attack you so much 
Um, you get to play the little game of slights. It's like, yeah, I'm going to kill yeah. your big threat, but I won't attack you. So you don't want to, you don't want to <laughs> take issue with me killing your creature, right? All right. Next up, let's look at a card called Threefold Signal. So Threefold Signal is an artifact for three mana, and when it enters the battlefield, Scry three. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of threes on this card. Each spell you cast that's exactly three colors has replicate three. There, there's a word we haven't seen in a while. Uh, for those of you not familiar with replicate, there's some reminder text there. When you cast it, copy it, it being the spell, uh, for each time you paid its replicate cost. You may choose new targets for the copies. Copy of a permanent spell becomes a token. So if you pay three mana additional, you get one copy. If you pay six mana additional, you get two copies. Nine mana, three copies, which is really the only way to play this card. You have to get at least three copies. Otherwise, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but Jules, there's a lot of threes on this card. Where did this card come from? Uh, yeah, so I, I mentioned there were more three color, another three color card incentive. Um, and that was the origin here was we've got a bunch of three color cards what would make you want to play a deck that was just chock full of them what can you do mm -hmm. in this space that's not the you know color matter space we've seen explored in ravnica's before uh mm -hmm. and so you know things have changed since last time we saw replicate Nowadays, you can copy permanent spells and have them become actual permanents. And so Chris identified that and realized there was a very threesy card to be made, caring about your three color <laughs> spells, letting you get three of them. Uh, and, you know, I would read into this one a little bit more. How many threes are there on it? I mean, well, are we including the art? Because I... Yeah, because I guarantee well, that might... there's some. Yeah, that's yeah, tough. But... The the card number is also ninety three of ninety three. Like, mm. I bet we can. I bet we can go deep on this. There are more. I say this. There are more than three threes on this card. That's true. Just you know, three of the numeral in the rules relevant parts. Three of the word in the rules relevant parts. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody yeah. online is going to tell us eventually. Indeed. All right. Um, yeah, so those are three of the set booster exclusives. The other ones uh, in that uh, commander legal set booster exclusive card group, uh, those have been previewed elsewhere. Uh, you should have seen, I believe all of them are out as of today. Uh, those should have been the last ones. Uh, we do have one more preview for you, and it's a it's a bit of an interesting one because, um, you know, we've done some cool things with the list in the past, and um, we should also point out Streets of New Capenna is where um, the list will also contain the in-magic versions of the Stranger Things cards that were a uh, secret layer uh, last year. So that, in and of itself, really cool thing with the list. There are... Um, not really reprints, but kind of reprints in the list. Um, but we're doing something else cool, which is we are reprinting a card, but we're giving it one of the set's treatments, the, the sort of gilded frame. So let's take a look at Rafik of the Many that is getting a reprint on the list. 
Uh, Jules, what uh, what's going on here? Yeah, so you've seen us mess around with trying to find more places for sweet showcase treatments that make sense, right, in secret layers, even in this upcoming drop. Uh, but we've got all these cards on the list that from all over Magic and say something to the set and got us thinking, all right, well, we should experiment a little here, try something new and see how it works. So this is sort of an alternate universe Rafik of the many. Rafik's <laughs> from Alara, not from New Capenna, but they've uh -huh. also got, you know, a three color theme with the same sets of three colors. So it's sort of like, well, what if we did set Rafik on New Capenna? Uh, what, what's that look like in the showcase version in this alternate mm -hmm. universe? Okay. Cool. So, and just to reiterate, this will be part of the list. So found in um, one out of every four-ish, I believe, set boosters, correct? That's my understanding, yeah. <laughs> right. That's not actually, like, figuring out those rates is not actually yeah. Jules's job. So I'm putting him on the spot a little bit. But, um, okay, so we have about... 15 minutes left so chat this is your time to shine this is your time to put your questions in chat uh it is going to be easier for me to see your questions if you start with at magic um just so that i can uh pick it out of all the conversations that you all are having and we are going to start with a question for me actually uh, because i saw several people ask this when are the commander deck lists being posted so we are planning to post we are planning to post the deck lists on the 19th next week. If you want to just wait for all the deck lists, uh, we're, we're aiming for later in the day on the 19th. Uh, what's happening is there are five outlets that are embargoed for um, Monday, the 18th. Uh, they are European outlets and there's a bank holiday in Europe. So there's a little like some of them will be on the 18th. Some of them will be on the 19th. But if you check out the where to find article, uh, we'll keep that updated and share when those go out. Um, next up, let's see. Um, OK, Jules, this is a question for you. You may or may not know the answer to this one, actually. Um, so most um, of the list cards have the little Planeswalker symbol in the bottom left hand corner. The image we just showed of Rafik does not. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure where that landed, but I, I know in discussions it was like that symbol exists largely so you can tell the list version of the card apart from the original. And despite that one having the Alara set symbol, no one's going to confuse it with the card out of an Alara booster pack. Yep. Um, what does the art of the treasure token look like in this set? Uh, we will be showing tokens off next week. All right. Next up, let's do... Uh, ta -ta -ta. All right, Sean, I'm going to, uh, if you can queue up Bootlegger Stash for a another card for a question, um, once you have that ready, we'll ask that question. Um, let's start with this. Jules, are there any new designs from this set that you're particularly excited for? Mm -mm. Uh, I'm going to have to go for, oh, I don't know, there are a lot. I, I'm going to have to go for Falco Spara. I just... Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, Falco can sort of let you 
cast spells off the top of your library by removing counters from your permanents, and he's got a shield himself. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I love all these little sequencing puzzles and finding weird uses for cards that have never had them before. I want to pull counters off my cumulative upkeep cards and reset my persist creatures. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of wildness in Commander, and I think it plays out in a pretty fun way in Standard with counters that aren't quite yep. as far afield as well. Yep. Yeah, the the uh, the cumulative upkeep interaction really really brings me back and speaks to me. That was my First thought too, which again speaks to how old I am. All right, so we have a couple questions that are about bootlegger stash and related cards. So bootlegger stash, for those who don't know, is there it is a six mana artifact for five and a green. It says lands you control have tap create a treasure token. So there's been a lot of conversation about this card. Um, and then so we got first. Why is Bootlegger Stash a green card? I've seen uh, quite a bit of conversation about this in the community. Mm -hmm. And then um, related question, how did green become part of the treasure theme of the set? Um, of course, in the past, treasures have uh, particularly been centered around red. They kind of debuted with red, black, and blue with uh, the pirates on Ixalan. So how did they end up in green? How is Bootlegger Stash green go? Yeah, so a lot of our treasure exploration throughout Magic has been, you know, trying to find really flavorful stuff for where it's supposed to go. And here it kind of made sense to everyone. All the families want Halo and Riches. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is our first chance getting to see treasure really not pushed in a certain direction by the set flavor, but where it's mechanically centered from a color pie perspective, which is in red and green for somewhat different executions. Right? Red is mm -hmm. all about living in the moment and doing temporary things. And this like little burst of mana from treasure plays very much like a ritual into that like red space right. where I want to right, play it all now and use it. Uh, on the other hand, green is by far number one at mana generation. That's like the core greatest green strength, sort of like blue's got counter magic, green's got ramp. This has to be a major aspect of green, and treasures are a big way to do that. Just, you know, there are... It's an execution of mana generation that leans into some red space, and so we do it there. But the same way green gets both rampant growth and mana elves, treasure is another subset of here that plays within green sphere. So we try to separate how the cards play out in that way. Red's treasure has to actually be limited or temporary to play into that temporary aspect like a ritual. If a red card just made a treasure every turn no matter what, then... It's kind of like if the card tapped for a mana, you just have this stable resource you know you're going to have, whereas greens gets to be a consistent resource. That's something green ramp can do. So bootlegger stash on its own without synergies plays a lot like an upwelling, a card that lets you keep your mana around. It's sort of sure. the opposite of how red wants to play into its mana generation. 
Okay, makes sense. Uh, next up, we'll do you know, we're one for you, one for me. Um, will the trailer still drop on digital release day since it's after the release time? Yeah. Uh, so um, the reference for this question is that typically um, we've been releasing the set trailer on digital release day. Um, but also typically digital release day has come before the pre-release. So the question is now that for Streets of New Capenna, uh, the tabletop pre-release is happening before the digital release. The question is, when will the trailer drop? Uh, the trailer is planned for uh, the digital release, so April 28th. So look for it then. Um, and uh, make sure that you check out your, your uh, local game store for your tabletop pre-release the week before that. Um, Next up, we can answer this card quickly, uh, or this question quickly. Why no card for Giada? Uh, there is one. There is one. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Jules, you, you lore isn't your area. You may or may not be able to answer this. Um, so on Ravnica, there were some guilds that were constantly at odds. In New Capenna, are there any lore-based enemies among the uh, families? Yeah, the, the short answer is sort of all of them, but it's uh, <laughs> more of a competition than, like, outright war. They're all competing for, you know, turf in the city and access to the Halo supply and promising criminal opportunities um so it shifts a lot the families will be competing with each other and might form a temporary alliance for accomplishing some goal in the meantime but uh, you know no, no one's friends for long okay uh next question is um uh, I've seen this put a couple different ways, so so we'll ask it. Uh, so in the playtest cards from the Mystery Booster stuff, there was a mechanic called Ransom, um, which flavorfully seems like a good fit here. Uh, was Ransom ever anything that you all tried or, or thought about for this set? Yeah, it was never a big piece. The main problem is it is a lot less fun to play with when it's high in quantity. Ransom's a really fun thing when one card gets ransomed in a game, but if a bunch get ransomed, then suddenly, instead of being this cool choice of like, oh, do I want that card back, or do I need to make the tempo plays of keeping on deploying my other cards? I just have no other cards. I'm stuck here not getting to do anything except spend my mana trying to get my card back only to maybe get it ransomed away again. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, next question. We'll keep going back and forth. Will the commander decks be available on Midgo? So uh, the way the commander cards work on Magic Gathering Online is the decks themselves are not released. Uh, what happens is that uh, particularly, well, most of the cards, if not all of the cards, are released as part of treasure chests later down the line. So uh, they show up, but they show up in a little bit of a different way. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm seeing the question about how many cards from the main set will be in the commander decks. 
Uh, we're just going to say wait and see on that. The Commander decks will be previewed early next week. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, the uh, question about Rafik to see if, uh, again, the the sort of mechanical side of producing cards is, is not Jules' area, but let's say if you know the answer to this. Uh, does Rafik, does that Rafik come in foil? I don't actually remember where that ended up. Okay. Yeah, typically the list cards do not come in foil, but we did something special. So I, I don't, we don't know. We can find that answer um, after the stream. Um, all right, we are nearly out of time. I am going to find... Oh, you know what? Here's a perfect question to end on. Um, actually, it's a perfect question to end on. After We'll do one more Streets of New Capenna-focused question, um, and then we'll, we'll answer this other question. Um, okay, so I've seen this question in a number of different ways, um, so maybe you can speak to this. So in the story, all of the angels are gone. We learned why... Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read the story, but um, the angels are are missing from New Capenna. And yet the set itself has some angels in it. So uh, what happened there, Jules? Yeah, so the story played a bit coy on the end, but I, I don't want to spoil it. The angels don't all stay gone forever. I would recommend checking out the card Soul of Emancipation when you get a chance. Hopefully it'll make things a little clearer. Great. Um, okay. That was the last SNC question. Sorry to everyone whose SNC questions I didn't get to. Uh, we are just about out of time. Um, so I want to answer this question. Is there any info on command fests? Not today, but hey, let's talk about next week's show. Uh, next week's show on the twenty on the twenty first. Um, it's just going to be me talking to you. It is monthly announcement day, so monthly announcement day um, has a bunch of stuff going on. We have some arena focused announcements. I know last month when we gave the tabletop premiere play system, we teased that before the end of April we would have the digital premiere play system. So that will be part of the day on the 21st. Uh, we've got another arena focused announcement on that same day, um, all about ways to play arena. Uh, and then we are also going to talk about Command Fest. So we're very excited to unre uh, uh, to reveal some details about the return of Command Fest. That'll happen next week. We have a couple other smaller announcements as part of that whole stream. But uh, yes, monthly announcement day next week on the 21st. Uh, we will fill you in on Command Fest and some other stuff. So definitely tune in for that. And thank you for tuning in today. Thank you, Jules, for joining us and telling us all about Streets of New Cabana. Uh, there is so much more to learn about the set. Um, we, we fit in as much as we could. The full card image gallery with all of the, uh, it's mostly just commons at this point, uh, that have not yet been revealed will be up tomorrow morning on dailymtg.com. And then the commander decks will be officially revealed uh, early, next, early next week between Monday and Tuesday, um, where you'll learn about what those four decks have in store. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.